God, we love you and we, uh, we give you praise, we give you thanks this morning for all that you have done in our lives. God, this morning there are uh, many in our congregation who are not here because of sickness uh, or other physical, men- physical issues and so we just uh, we pray over the health of our church, the physical health of our church, God. I know there are at least five or six who are out with a cold. Uh, there are more who are out just physically unable to get here. And so we just we pray over the physical health of our congregation this morning. Uh, and we just pray a special blessing over those who are sick. We pray a special healing over those who are sick this morning. God, I just, uh, we, we gather together every Sunday morning. I don't want us to, to overlook the, the power of what we do this morning as we open up your scripture, as we open up uh, the, the gospel, this word of God, and we, we hear from it today. So as we pray every week, God, I pray that you would uh, speak through me. How would the words that come out of my mouth be your words for your people on your day? God, we are here for you. For no other reason, we are here for you. And I just pray that you would speak through your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are in week six of our uh, Gospel Above All series. Gospel Above All uh, really stems from, uh, we're going through it in our small groups as well, but Gospel Above All really comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 as, as Paul is talking to this church in Corinth and he's saying, I shared to you what was of first importance, that Jesus died according to the scriptures and that he was raised to life on the third day according to the scriptures. This is of first importance. The gospel is of first importance. And so we've kind of spent the last five weeks talking about the gospel. The first three weeks, really, you know, what, is, what is the gospel? How, what, what is it? And we talked about what does it do? So that we talk about how the gospel saves us in week one. The gospel is what saves us, that God saw us in our sins and sent his son so that we might be restored to him forever. This is the gospel that saves us. But the gospel doesn't just save us, the gospel transforms us. In Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a, this is a gospel transformation that happens in our mind as we say yes to God and we, we commit to him. The gospel saves us, the gospel transforms us, The gospel also sends us. We looked at the Great Commission in week three and talked about our our mission to go, to make disciples, to baptize them, to teach them everything we have been commanded. These four roles. But sandwiching that mission is God. Jesus says, therefore, I I have all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me at the beginning of this. Therefore, go. And in the end, surely I will never leave you. I'll I'll be with you always. We have the, the authority of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit pushing us forward into this mission to go make disciples, baptize them, teach them. This is our our mission. The gospel saves us, the gospel transforms us, the gospel sends us. The last couple weeks we've been talking kind of about uh, the, the what does this look like? How does, in this gospel sending, what does this look like? In week four, we talked about evangelism and picking who's your one. Who is the one person you want to be praying for, that you want to, to bring the gospel to, that you want to be saved? How can we partner with you to, to, to bring this one to Jesus? Uh, we, we talked about just the importance of sharing the gospel. This is what we are to do. You know, uh, this, this sharing the gospel. So week four, we talked about evangelism. Last week, we talked about grace, about dealing with grace, uh, how, how we approach people, how we, uh, how we just 
talk through grace and the gospel. We looked last week at the woman caught in adultery and Jesus' response of grace and not condemnation. Grace and truth. Having this balance in our lives between grace and truth. Speaking with grace, but speaking the truth. Jesus sees this woman caught in adultery and then as he says, you know, you who have not had, you, you have not sinned, you throw the first stone. Everybody drops their stones and walks away and Jesus looks at this woman and she, he says, uh, who condemns you? And there's no one. Neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. We need to be a people of grace who, are, who look at people, even in some of the hardest times of their lives, even in their sin, and say, I, I am not condemning you, but I want to speak truth to you. Go and sin no more. Uh, this, is, this is how we deal with gospel grace. This week, uh, we're going to be talking about what this gospel looks like together. We're going to be looking at gospel community. Uh, what does it look like to be a community that is shaped by the gospel? Uh, and as believers in Christ, we are part of the body of Christ. You and I are all together. We are all one because of our faith in Christ. We are one in the body of Christ. Uh, you know, we, we join together as people who have said yes to the gospel, and we worship, we bring glory to the King of Kings. Uh, this is our community. This is what our community is based on. And we're going to talk about, uh, kind of spend the next two weeks talking about this community. Next week we're going to talk about unity. Uh, this week I, I want to just really focus on this community aspect. Uh, this community aspect is so important. Next, like I said, next week we're going to talk about unity. Uh, but I want us to see just a couple of passages this morning uh, in Scripture that talk about the, the community, some of the characteristics of this gospel community. Uh, the first one I want to look at is, is in Revelation, actually. Revelation chapter 7. Starting at verse 9, uh, if you're in one of our pew Bibles on page 1066, uh, this is kind of the, uh, the end goal of the community, uh, of this gospel community. This is where this gospel community will end. This is where this gospel community will look like. Uh, Revelation chapter 7, starting at verse 9. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, these in white robes, who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will, lead, he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. I want you to just see this picture as the end goal of this gospel community that we are a part of. And when I say gospel community, I'm talking about something that is bigger than Fresno First Church of the Nazarene. 
This gospel community is, the, is this community of believers all throughout the world who have said yes to Jesus Christ. This is the end goal. I mean, think about this picture. They, every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every people worshiping God. Salvation belongs to our God. Man, how powerful is this image? This, when we come to worship each and every Sunday, we, we just get just a glimpse of the final goal of this gospel community that we are a part of. I mean, this is, this is the picture of what we are to be in the end. All of us, all a, a, a multitude that no one could count, every nation, every tribe, every people, every language, standing before the throne of God. And worshiping. See, when we come to worship each and every week, we, just, we get just a tiny glimpse of the end goal of this community gospel, this gospel community. How powerful is that? This is, this is just the, the first image that I want to give you of this gospel community. And I just want to encourage us, even in, even in, our, in our Nazarene tribe, you could say, our Nazarene denomination, and just think about the diversity. Think about how this is already almost taking place. Like we've got nations and tongues and tribes. I don't know if you know this. The Church of Nazarene is in over 160 different countries in the world. I mean, we are we are a, a multinational, multicultural. We are we are a denomination that is that is that is living this out even here today. Now, granted, we are not all in this one room, but we are together. We are part of this gospel community. Uh, this, is, this is huge. It's just a glimpse of the gospel community that we are to be. We get a glimpse of that every single week as we come to worship, even in this place right here. We get a glimpse of what it looks like to be a part of this gospel community. It's incredible. There's one more passage I want to look at. Actually, two more that I want to look at. Uh, one more is Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 1, uh, 1 through 6 is where we're going to be in this one. Ephesians chapter 4. And again, we're going to talk about unity next week, but I want to just, just focus on this gospel community and what it is that we, are, that we center ourselves on. Here's Paul in Ephesians chapter 4. <clears throat> As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. I just want to just, we'll just stop right there. Again, we're going to talk about unity next week, but I just want to focus on what our gospel community is centered on. We are centered on this God. We are centered on God. We are, we, we are a community that is shaped by our faith in Jesus Christ. We are shaped and formed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is one God, one Father of all, who is over all and in all and through all, uh, this, is the, this is the gospel. This is what our community is centered around. So here's, here's a question for you that I want to answer this morning. And we'll just kind of answer this together this morning. In this in, incredibly diverse community of believers, 
worldwide community of believers. How, how do we do this? How do we live into this community? How do we catch a glimpse of the gospel community even today, right here, right now at Fresno First Church? How do we live into this community today? And I want to actually, uh, this morning, I want to revisit uh, something we talked about just, just about a year ago uh, in Romans chapter 12. So if you want to go to Romans chapter 12 with me, uh, we're going to talk about what it looks like to live into this community, just kind of revisit this discussion that we had together last summer. Uh, if you're in our Pew Bibles, page 975, that's where we're going to be. Uh, Romans chapter 12, I love Romans chapter 12. We've actually already talked kind of through Romans chapter 12, uh, the first couple verses of Romans chapter 12, was we talked about being transformed by the gospel. Uh, I, I find it very interesting that as Paul is talking and urging believers to, to be transformed by the renewing of their minds, the very next thing that he does is he begins to talk about what it looks like to live out this gospel community. It's almost like a now that you are, now that you are being transformed by the gospel, how then do we go out and live the gospel? So let's just, let's just read Romans chapter 12 here. I'm actually going to read a lot of it. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, remember in week two we said, in light of the gospel, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in light of the gospel, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, just, just hear where he goes from here. Remember, he's just told us, be transformed by the gospel. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has attributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. <clears throat> Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, <clears throat> but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I find it very interesting 
that after basically the first 12 chapters of Romans, where Paul essentially shares the gospel, talks about sin and salvation and justification and all this kind of stuff, and then he says, therefore, in light of this gospel, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And immediately after this, after sharing the gospel, talking about being transformed by the gospel, he then goes into how do we live out this gospel together? Right? This isn't, none, a lot of these things are not individual things. There's a lot of one another commands in this rest of Romans chapter 12. In fact, Romans chapter 12, I think, is a great, great way to, to start and a great place to be as we talk about the gospel as we talk about this gospel community that we're supposed to be living in. Because there's a lot of commands here about how to live in community. In fact, in Romans chapter 12, there are about 20-something commands. Now, we're not going to go over all 20 commands this morning as to how we live according to the gospel, but I do just want to just highlight a few here. All right, the, the first one is this. We belong to one another. In this gospel community, we all belong to one another. I mean, you look at verse 3 through 5. For by the grace given me, say to every one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has attributed to each of you. For just as each of us has, gone, has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in, Christ, though, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I want you to just hear that. Each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other in this gospel community. We belong to each other. We are connected through Christ. We are connected through Christ. We are connected through Christ. I want you to just hear this. We're not connected in any other way in this gospel community but through Christ. There are other things that a lot of us have in common that is not what they connect. That's not what connects us. What connects us in this gospel community is Christ. It doesn't matter what you look like, it doesn't matter how much money you have, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter. We are connected through Christ. And through Christ we belong to one another. Christ is the center of this gospel community. Uh, we, we look around and we should say, you know, uh, the only thing that we have in common is Jesus. And that's enough. That's what this gospel community is about. There are, there are people in this gospel community with us that we have nothing in common with other than the fact that we believe in Jesus Christ. And that's enough. Because what brings us together, what connects us, what puts us in this one gospel community together is Jesus Christ. Now, I often talk about this community as a mosaic. I think there's, there's not a better way, in my mind, to talk about our gospel community than to talk about it through the lens of a mosaic. Every single person who has said yes to Jesus Christ and has, has in the body of Christ adds their little piece of tile into this beautiful picture that God is painting. Right, a lot of us have some broken tiles. A lot of us have some interesting lives that we come and we bring our brokenness and we place it into the body of Christ and what happens is this beautiful picture of the body of Christ begins to emerge. We are the body of Christ and we belong to one another. Now, it's funny, you look at, you look at these, some of these mosaic tiles that people use in these mosaics, these beautiful mosaics. You look at some of the tiles and you're like, now where'd they find that one? 
Yeah, that one just doesn't, it just doesn't seem like it, it would be, you know. I, you don't look at that one and think, like, that's a beautiful piece of tile. You think of that one and you're like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the artist sees that piece of tile and he sees exactly where it goes in the picture. Doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter where it came from. He puts that piece into the mosaic and it becomes just a piece of this beautiful picture of what God is doing in the world. Think about that. Think about your life in this. We belong to each other. We belong together. Not only do we belong to each other, we are gifted to one another. Gifted for one another. Keep going here. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now, this is not uh, Paul giving us an exhaustive list of all the gifts that we can have. He's just saying, every single one of us has a gift. Use it. Use it for the glory of God. Every single person that has said yes to Christ has been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given a gift. How do we use the gift that we have been given for the body of Christ? And every gift is important. Paul gives us, like I said, just a few here. There's other lists of gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter 4. But the point is not to just give an exhaustive list here. Like I said, the point is to say this. If you have a gift, every single one of us has said yes to Christ has been given a spiritual gift. The question is, how do we use it for the glory of God? And like Paul says here, this is actually written uh, rhetorically. If your gift is prophesying, then do it. If your gift is faith, I'm sorry, if your gift is serving, then serve. It's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, give encouragement. He's just saying like, you have a gift. Every single one of you has a gift that is to be used for the glory of God and the body of Christ. Use it. Do it. We have been gifted for one another. He goes on. Not only, have we, not, not only do we belong to each other, we've been gifted from one another, there's, there's more commands here. Here's the first command that we get, love one another. And this word here is agape, it's this unconditional kind of love. Yeah, I was doing a little bit of research this week and uh, this term is actually not used much. Uh, I was trying, you know, agape is a, is a word that we throw around a lot in the church and I've, I've talked a lot about agape love, about this unconditional God kind of love. I just wanted to like hear a little bit more, so I dug in a little bit this week says this agape kind of love is a love that is very rarely talking about in kind of the, the Greek pagan writings. Because in the culture, this kind of love was seen as weakness. The selfless kind of love that God calls us to was seen as a sign of weakness in this Greek culture. But this is the kind of love that God calls us to. This love that, is, that is, goes beyond ourselves. This love that says, I'm going to put you first. This love that is a selfless kind of love, an unconditional kind of love. This is the love that Paul writes here. He used this word agape. Agape must be sincere. And this not, not only do we love one another, it's got to be a real kind of love. It's not an artificial kind of love. It's not a fake kind of love. It's got to be a sincere love. Paul says love each other. He keeps going that we need to care for each other. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. There's another, another translation of this. Love one another with brotherly affection. 
Some of you may have may be more familiar with that one. Love one another with brotherly affection. We are to love each other like family. Like family. When you think about a family, what do you think about? People that you care about. People that you care for. People that you, you have their best interest in mind. We need, to, we need to care for one another. It's a family kind of love. Family cares for one another. Verse 10 says we need to honor one another. In fact, that's, that's word for word there. Honor one another above yourselves. Starting in verse 11, he talks about kind of this idea of motivating one another, spurring one another on. Right? Hebrews chapter 10 talks about spurring, or 11 talks about spurring one another on. Verse 11 here says, Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be faithful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Just what I, the picture that I get here is kind of a, a motivating picture. You ever been around people who just, just make you want to be better? been around people who you see them and you see whether it's in, in church and you see their faith or whether it's in your work life and you're like, man, I just want to be like them or whatever it is. You have been around people that just make you want to be better. This, I think this is what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about uh, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Right? He's talking about just be, <laughs> just motivate each other. Be the kind of people that when people look at you, they think, I want to be better. I want to be the kind of people that, that want to make each other better. Motivate one another. Verse 13 talks about serving each other. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I mean, he keeps, he keeps going here. Bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice. This is a huge part of this gospel community. Rejoicing when people rejoice. When good things happen, we rejoice with people. When, when good things happen in other people's lives, we, are, we, we rejoice with those who rejoice. When someone in your small group gets a job, man, yes, amen for that. Like We celebrate with you. When someone in your small group is, is, has some good things going on in their lives, like amen, yes, we, we celebrate that with you. But the opposite is also true. And Paul says this, that we need to mourn with those who mourn. So when someone in our church, when someone in your small group is going through a rough time and they're mourning, we mourn with those people who mourn. Something rough happens in someone's life. Someone, someone passes away that was close to someone. Someone, anything. It could be anything. We rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. This is what it means to be part of this gospel community. And I think really from verse 16 on, you can make the case that Paul is just saying, bear with one another. Bear with one another in love. Let's, we'll keep reading here. Verse 16. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Do not repay anyone or evil for evil. Be careful. Do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. And don't become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Like you can just... just Bear, bear with one another. Love each other. Care for each other. Motivate each other. Rejoice with each other. Mourn with each other. Use your gifts for one another. We're connected to one another. Do you see just what we're talking about here? This is this, this gospel community 
that we're called to live in. This gospel community where it doesn't matter what you look like, where you come from, how much money you have or don't have. What connects us is Jesus Christ. And as we live out this gospel community, we glorify God in the world. In John chapter 17, Jesus prays a prayer. May they be one Father as you and I are one, so that the world may know that you have sent me. May they be one. Just think about that. Think about this, the importance of this gospel community that we are a part of. As we live in this gospel community, we glorify God in the world. And as we live this gospel community out, the world begins to realize that Jesus came. Not only did he come, he came for them. And he came for their sins. He came to save them. They, they see it as they look into this gospel community. This one here at Fresno First Church, but also the big gospel community, the church. We are called to live in a gospel community, called to, to live as though we believe that we are connected to each other, called as though we believe that we are one body centered on Jesus Christ. We actually talk a lot about this at this church. We talk about connect a lot. We talk about the, the community that we want to form here at this church. I think this is, this is important. You know, this is important for us as we gather together. It's important for us to, to be this community. And I just want to challenge us this week to keep it up. I look at our church and I think we're doing pretty well in connect. I've seen relationships build over the last two years that are powerful. I've seen, the, I've seen just relationships build and I've seen things happen in this church that I'm like, this is connect at its, at its best right here. I've gotten phone calls over the last year about, hey, can I get this person's number? I, I, I wanna talk to them, I wanna go help them. That's great. These, those people would not have connected any other way. Like there's no way these two people in the world would connect outside of their faith in Jesus Christ and this gospel community. I think we are doing gospel community well. How can we do better? How can also we invite people in to be a part of this gospel community? So I want us to think about this week. This is the challenge that I want to put us out for this week. How, how do we expand this gospel community? And how do we remember that we are a part of a bigger gospel community? These two aspects. I want us to think small and I want us to think big about gospel community. How can we bring people into our, this little piece of the gospel community? And, and how can we pray for those in the worldwide gospel community. We are a part. We are a part of, of the gospel community. If you have said yes to Jesus, you are a part because you are a part of the family of God. You're part of the, the body of Christ. And every member belongs to one another. Not just the members in this church. The members in the global gospel community belong to one another. We are all part of the body of Christ. How can we 
talk about that? How can we leverage that? How can we think small and think big about this gospel community? Let's pray this morning. God, we love you. And we are thankful for you. We're thankful for this, this uh, Fresno First Church, this gospel community, this, this glimpse of the gospel community that you've given us. God, I just pray this week that as we move forward, that we would think big and think small about gospel community, that we would think about this church, how to bring people into our gospel community, but also think about the role that we play in the global gospel community. God, how, how, can we, how can we pray for them? How can we be a part of this global gospel community? God, I just pray that you would remind us this week that we are, each and every single one of us, a part of the body of Christ, that you have, you have a purpose for us, you have a gift that we can use. God, would you help us to just remember Romans chapter 12 this week, that we are called, we belong to each other, that we're gifted for each other, we need to love one another, we need to care for one another, we need to encourage one another, and we need to bear with one another, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, but we live out this gospel community this week here in Fresno. God, we love you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Let me just pray this prayer of blessing over you. And I do just want to remind you as well, if you're a member of the church, today's board elections, uh, uh, Olivia is going to be in the fellowship hall with the ballots and the membership roll. You just go sign your name by your roll and you can take a ballot. And so let me pray this blessing over you as you leave, though. May our God, this God who is above all and in all and through all, to him be glory forever and ever. This God that we serve, would he go with you and ahead of you this week? Would he be in your conversations? Would he be in your workplaces? Would he be in your homes? Would he remind you this week of the community that you are a part of? Would you pray for your community? Would you be encouraged by your community? Would this community give you the strength to be courageous as you go? Would you make a difference in your community? Wherever you may find yourself, go on the grace and the peace of God, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for coming this morning.